Samantha Riley here from samanthariley.com.au and you're listening to the Unlimited Influence Podcast, Episode 70. Today I chat with Christos Shepard, where he takes us on the journey of developing an app that's creating social good, the often overlooked way to connect with the people whose skills you need to grow your business, and the reason he started his own airline. And you want to stick around for this one? This is potentially the funniest story I've ever heard. everyone, Samantha Riley here, and I'm super excited to be welcoming today's featured guest, Christos Shepard. After college, Christos started and later sold a small Greek airline, then helped governments and entrepreneurs in Africa to start airlines of their own. He also received an MBA from Stanford and wrote for The Economist. Today, Christos is co-founder of Campfire, a revolutionary audio platform that pays users to ask and answer great questions. Besides sparking intimate conversations with their favorite experts, celebrities, and podcasters, users can donate their earnings to their favorite charities. Welcome to the show, Christos. Hi, Sam. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for the, the warm introduction. I'm super looking forward to deep diving to, uh, with you today <laughs> because it sounds like you have just done all sorts of things that that sound interesting and a little bit left field. Not many of us have started an airline, I wouldn't think. But before, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, I haven't. Let's go there. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> that's super brief intro. That I'm, you know, I know there's so much more to you and who you are. So I'd love you to pull back the curtain and give us a sneak peek into, you know, who you really are and what makes you tick. Gosh, well, um, who am I and, and what makes me tick? That's a very big, difficult question to answer. I am the sort of person who gets ticked off when other people tell me what to do, to be honest with you. I remember being a small child um, and watching TV in the evenings. And even when my mother came and told me to go to bed, and even though I was tired, I would insist on staying awake simply because she had told me to, you know, to move away from the television. I just, I never really liked people telling me what to do. And so much of my life today is kind of built around this idea of trying to live for myself and, um, and you know, trying to exploit and explore all the freedoms that um, life has thrown at me. So I, I suppose that's probably who I am. Mm, mm. And I would think that just that any entrepreneur would really be nodding their head right now and going, yeah, we do what we do because we don't like to be told <laughs> what to do, right? <laughs> well, there's always people above you, unfortunately. You find you know, when you become an entrepreneur, that even though you may not have a boss who's telling you what time to come into the office, you still have a bank who's expecting you to manage the money properly. You still have investors who are expecting returns on their capital. You still have customers who ultimately are the real bosses of you. So you still have people telling you what to do, but it's it's unless you know you get to exert a little bit more control, I suppose, over your life, which is quite nice. Awesome. So before we get into what you have done, I'd love you to tell us what is your business now. And who do you serve? You know, what is it that you're actually doing right at this moment? Uh, well, that's a great question. Thanks so much. I'm, I'm, I'm a co-founder of Campfire, as you said before. And Campfire is a mobile app for iOS. Uh, Android is coming soon. And Campfire is an audio-based platform where you can ask your burning questions to your favorite experts, celebrities, podcasters, basically the sorts of people you can't normally interact with. And they will then answer you directly with personalized audio messages sent directly to your phone, which is cool. But what's even cooler, I think, is that if you ask good questions, meaning questions that get other people listening in, then you'll get paid real money. 
And that real money you can choose if you want to. You can choose to donate some or all of it to whichever charity you support. And so we have this, we have this mantra at, at Campfire that social media does social good. But at its heart, you know, Campfire is a place to share interesting stories, to engage with people you would never normally be able to talk to because they're inaccessible or they live on the other side of the world or they have expertise outside of your subject area. And to actually, as I say, to interact with them in a way that rewards you, them, and the charities you both support. That's super interesting. What was it that, like, can you pick a moment where you thought this would be a great idea or was it something that evolved over time? That's a great question. Thanks so much. I, I, you know, ultimately Campfire came from a business which we saw taking off and growing like wildfire last year in China. It was a mobile app that, you know, had a very similar uh, revenue model to, to the Campfire model I just described. And, you know, this, this application just grew like crazy. They had 10 million paying subscribers within a month and 20 million paying subscribers after two months. But I think for, for Nick and I, what we're really passionate about is about the distribution and the dissemination of education and knowledge worldwide. In fact, before I went to Stanford, I was, as you mentioned before, starting airlines for people in different parts of sub-Saharan Africa. And when you get to spend time in the slums of Nairobi, for example, or Makoko in Lagos, Nigeria, and you meet people, you realize that despite the internet and social media and all of this kind of thing, most people in the world don't have access to the kind of knowledge that you and I might take for granted. They don't just ordinarily get to meet people who are, you know, high flyers in the world of business or finance or investing or any of these fields. And so in reality, they're completely disconnected from the knowledge, as I said, the knowledge and education that we all take for granted. So that's kind of why I was passionate about the idea of pursuing Campfire. For Nick, my co-founder, um, he previously ran a business in, of all places, North Korea. And his business was an educational nonprofit that brought Fortune 500 business leaders into the country and also sponsored North Korean kids to take scholarships outside the country. And so he too was really passionate about this idea of connecting disparate groups of people who would never ordinarily be able to be in touch with one another. And I think it's that that really compels Nick and I to, to, to pursue this, this ambition and pursue this adventure, um, which we're still on right now. And have you been doing it for very long? Uh, no, not particularly. Uh, Campfire just got into the App Store about, gosh, it was about two months ago now, so it was probably in July. Wow. Um, Super yeah, congratulations. Campfire. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, I'll put all of the links in the show notes so that if you're listening in, you can go and find it and download it. I totally love this idea and I, and I really love the idea of being able to ask these amazing people questions because I think, you know, when I first heard about it in my brain, I'll, I'll be brutally honest, I was thinking about teenage girls asking, you know, <laughs> Christine Aguilera some, you know, stupid really totally airhead question. Where Just actual- so you know, Sam, Christina Aguilera hasn't been cool among teenage girls for at least 15 years, but, yeah. but nice, nice try. <laughs> now I've been found out. <laughs> we can tell who I don't follow. <laughs> um, but, you know, listening to you talking then had me thinking about the people that I've connected with over the years and where I have learnt my information, you know, and it was from 
my my first boss who owned who owned four massive corporations you know and it and it was these kinds of people and chatting to them and asking their questions was what has formed me and had me learning even more so I think that's where the from what I'm hearing that's where the gold is in this app yeah absolutely and the conversations that are taking place on the platform at the moment, and again, we're in early days, I'm sure things will, will change over time, but the conversations so far really run the gamut. Like, yes, there are some conversations, frankly, involving um, you know, teenagers who are, who are talking to their, their social media idols. But to be honest, a lot of those conversations revolve around, as I see them, revolve around the same sorts of insecurities that you and I probably had as teenagers. Like, give me advice about my relationship. How do I ask a girl out? How do I know if this boy likes me? Why is my hair really curly on one side of my head, but not on the other? Can you give me some advice on my hair? So those are some of the conversations that we have. But other conversations that we have are, you know, inspiring. I think that, you know, they, they, people are talking about activism. People are talking in a witty way and in some cases in a musical way, too, about the way in which we can all club together and, and change not only the world, but our own local societies, too. So there are some fantastic conversations taking place, conversations which, you know, our users instigate and initiate and which other users can listen into as well. And as I say, everybody's making money either for themselves or for the causes that they care about. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a fantastic growing and thriving community already, which I'm, I'm just so happy about. It's wonderful. And you have pointed out something that I totally glossed over. I was talking about, you know, airhead conversations, but in actual fact, having gone through, you know, having teenagers myself, those kinds of questions, whilst in my head, you know, at first I was thinking they're airhead conversations, they're actually not because that is giving those teenagers or the people for their idols confidence or inspiration or whatever it is to go out and do what they're doing. So I'll have to stand up and say, you know, you've you've opened up my mind to what <laughs> this app could actually do and what it could give people. I'm going to go back and tell my investors we've got one new user. It's fantastic. I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I think we go straight to IPO. It's great. Nice. So yeah. you've only been doing this for about two months. Take us on the journey of how long this took to get off the ground from the time that you had the idea. And what were you doing that, that led into you making that decision? Okay, we've seen this app in China. Let's go for it. I'd love you to take us on that journey. Well, I think like, like most of the best entrepreneurial ideas, you know, the decision, so to, in inverted commas, the decision to run with this was taken you know, over lunch with uh, Nick, who at that time was still my classmate at Stanford. Um, and, you know, we decided in, in the course of half an hour or something like, let's just screw it. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's kind of the decision. Now, you know, he and I graduated from business school and I, I certainly don't want to make it sound by any means that, you know, we were in any way unfortunate or, or struggling or anything like the access that, that, you know, going to a school like Stanford gives you is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, he and I both graduated with, you know, huge amount of debt because as you guys probably know over there in Australia, American universities do not come cheap. Mm-hmm. So we graduated with mountains of debt and really we had to bootstrap our way, uh, me by, by, by leaning on uh, the support of my family uh, and, and, and Nick as well by leaning on his family too. We were able to bootstrap our way for a few months until we were actually able to raise some investment mm-hmm. from um, a venture capital firm 
who believed in our vision, who also saw the success that the Chinese platform I mentioned before had had. And so from then on, after we raised that investment, you know, we were able to start hiring, recruiting uh, a team of people. And it's really that team that has helped us to create the products that you see today in the app store, because neither Nick nor I have any kind of background in, in you know, building apps or, or any of the technology that lies behind our product. So yeah, I, I would say it's, it's certainly latterly in particular been very much a team effort. Uh, we have a bunch of people in a few different places working on the product. Also, we, we now have a growing content team as well. So a team of people basically helping us to create and curate interesting content that users of our platform are interested in consuming. Mm. You've mentioned something that's really valuable, and I'd, I'd like to go back and, and touch on it if I may. I think a lot of people have these really awesome ideas, maybe in the shower or, you know, just sitting there having a cup of coffee, exactly like, like what you said. I know that my first business was, uh, as, as cliche as it sounds, was mapped out at 2 a.m. in a McDonald's store on a napkin. But, yes. uh, and, and that's the way a lot of us roll. But you said that you've got no knowledge at building the app. And I, I, I love that because I think so many people have these ideas and then think, oh, but I don't know how to do that. And they just let it, let it go. So from the time that you went, okay, we've got this idea, we want to build this app. Was there a point where you and Nick thought, oh, we need to learn how to do this? Did you know straight away that you needed to bring other people on board? Can you take us on that journey? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we knew from the beginning that we, look, you need a lot of self-awareness, I think, as, as an entrepreneur. And when I say self-awareness, you really need to know where your weak spots lie. And when you identify what those weak spots are, you can, it's fine. You can, if you have the money, at least you can hire in people who can, who can sort of plug the gaps in your knowledge and experience. Nowhere did I learn this better than when I started an airline once upon a time when I was considerably younger than I am now, um, in Greece. And, you know, I graduated, uh, from undergrad with a history degree. I didn't know anything about I didn't know I couldn't tell a, a, a my starboard from my aft I knew nothing <laughs> um, uh, but I was able and to be honest it was it was through a series of very fortunate coincidences but I was able to get in touch with and meet a series of people who were far more knowledgeable and older and wiser and more experienced than I was and it was they really who drove the business forward with me kind of as a figurehead almost um, and them, to be honest, doing all of the difficult work. I think if you're going to be a successful entrepreneur, you absolutely have to be open to um, hiring people who are better than you, smarter than you, older than you, uh, and wiser than you, and more patient than you. Mm. If you're the best person on the team, then you know you're probably not going to get very far, mm -hmm. unfortunately. So, for people that are listening in that may have be thinking, okay, that's really cool. I may have had this idea for a business, but I'm not in a position right now to, to hire someone to fill that gap. What are some of the things that they could put into place now so that they can work towards being able to do that? That is a really good question. I think there are two practical things that, that, that a person could do in that situation. The first is, um, there are all kinds of, of online networks out there at the moment where for very low cost, you can outsource a lot of the hard work. Um, you know, we make heavy use, for example, of a platform called Upwork, uh, where it's very easy to find at, at low cost, really well-qualified people, usually in different parts of the world, to do coding for you, to do software development, to do design for you, et cetera, et cetera. 
it's a bit laborious and time consuming to find the right candidate on on a site like like Upwork. But nevertheless, you know, it's if you put in the time, you, you're definitely going to be able to find somebody who can who can help you out. Once you are in a position to start hiring because you have access to a seam of capital that you've managed to, to, to raise either from a bank or from an outside investor or from friends and family, you know, you really need to start putting yourself in places where, where the people you need hang out, mm. I guess. So, so go to, you know, your local business school, go to your local coding school, like go to events and conferences where if you have a really good idea, you will be able to persuade somebody to come and join your team or at least to give you a little bit of advice, support, maybe introductions. It's just about kind of the, the you know, just networking, I suppose, networking your way to, to build up a, a roster of, of high quality employees. Mm. I think there are two amazing bits of advice there. Um, Upwork, I also use every day. And you're right, it, it can take, it can be a little bit laborious, but you can also find some phenomenal people on there. Um, and you do get better at using it over time and asking the right questions. So I think that's, that's, um, a fabulous platform. And secondly, I don't think you can ever underestimate the value of a network and the people you know, uh, and the people that you can then get connected to. So two fabulous bits of information there. How did you end up at Stanford and doing this after having an airline? I'm sure that's on the tip of everyone's tongue. Everyone wants to know it, I'm sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was there were a lot of there were a lot of failures along the way. You know, it's very easy to look back retrospectively at anybody's life and look at the highlights and think everything was easy. And it wasn't. Uh you know, I mean, to, to get into Stanford, for example, I think I'm the only person who got into Stanford three different times, even though I only attended once. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I applied to Stanford. I was all ready to go. I packed my bags and things like that, went to the U.S. Embassy in London to collect my passport. And um, I was told or I noticed, I should say, that, that the name on my visa had been misprinted. They misprinted my name. And I went to the consular officer and said, you know, does this make that much of a difference? No, it doesn't make a huge difference, does it? I'll be fine when I get into, when, you know, when I get to the US border, I'll be fine, won't I? And the, 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 the officer said, no, no, I'm sorry, I've got to take your passport back and we've got to reissue with the visa. Well, you know what bureaucracies are like. It took mm. them three weeks to reissue me a visa, by which time I'd missed the start of classes at Stanford and Stanford refused to let me come and attend the class. And I just quit my job. So now I had, I had no job. I had nothing to do for a year. Stanford not only told me that I couldn't attend, but that I had to reapply. I couldn't just defer my admission. So I was basically adrift because of a printing error on, <laughs> on a piece of paper stuck in my passport. Mm. Fortunately, I, you know, I, I was able to, to find something to do with my time. I went to go and work for JetBlue in New York, which is a, a wonderful adventure. It's a terrific airline and had great company culture, which actually to some extent has informed the kind of culture that we're trying to build here among our team at Campfire. But you know, the, the, the path from, from, you know, the stepping stone from one thing to the next was not necessarily as easy as, you know, as it, as it might look on a piece of paper or on a CV or something like that. There were, there were hiccups along the way. And again, like, I don't want to pretend that I've you know, risen from rags to riches or anything. I'm very far from riches and I, you know, was never in rags, fortunately. 
but it also isn't the case that you know I had things just sort of handed to me and that things just fell onto my lap in the process. You've got to keep working hard despite the inevitable setbacks that are going to occur along the way. Mm. So how did you make that step from JetBlue into starting an airline yourself? Uh, well, I'd started the airline before I worked at JetBlue. Um, so <laughs> the better question is, how did I decide to start an airline, I suppose? And to be honest, it was because I, want, it's because I wanted to shag Greek women as basically <laughs> what um, <laughs> I thought it would get me laid. Didn't didn't actually work, sadly. But, um, oh, no, because that could have been the best story of 2017. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I was actually I had a Greek girlfriend at the time and we were we were marooned on Mykonos uh, because of these the high winds that were blowing it was wasn't a bad experience at all to be marooned on Mykonos with your hot Greek girlfriend but by the time the winds abated and we got on a boat the boat was sort of you know overcrowded and slow and it was listing from side to side it was just a horrible experience and I remember saying to to my girlfriend why can't where are the seaplanes in Greece? Like, there's so much sea, and you know, you could fly from one point to another. Um, and so, I decided to start a seaplane company. That's what my airline did. Uh, we had a small fleet of four aircraft um, that, for to a large extent, sort of hopped between the the Greek islands. So, yeah, it was it was that that was really how the idea was born. Again, it was really just a, a, a back of the envelope place and time kind of conversation that, that sparked an idea which I eventually went and, and ran with. Which is uh, how yeah. most businesses start. It's, it's something similar that um, Richard Branson decided to run Virgin, you know, like the story's different, but the, the idea's the same. There was a problem, something couldn't happen. And, you know, being entrepreneurs that we are, we just go, well, why can't we do this? I think that's a fabulous story. <laughs> well, you're right. I mean, I think that. You know, when you go to business school, one of the quite obvious things that they teach you, well, at least it seemed obvious to me at the time, is that when you're pitching your business, you should always follow the same two or three different steps, which are describe the problem, explain how your, how your business is going to provide a solution, and then explain the benefits of your solution to the customer or to your prospective customer. And that's really kind of how businesses should be conceived, I think. It's like you've got to start with an existing problem that's out there in the world and then set about trying to solve it. The interesting thing is that most people in their lives experience probably dozens of problems with existing companies or way of doing business every day. You know, it could be something obvious like, I don't know, a traffic jam or a long hold time, for example, while waiting for, for a customer service agent to answer the phone. These really rather run-of-the-mill problems that you encounter every day, many of them have solutions that are, that are waiting to be invented and provided and created. And if you can think of a way to solve one of those problems, you basically have a business. Mm, mm, I love that. And if anyone's listening and can come up with a solution of how my headphones cannot end up in a knot every day when I try and plug them into my phone, <laughs> please go ahead. <laughs> There you go. You see, there's a problem that's waiting to be solved. <laughs> I'm sure there's some way that they don't have to knot up every single day. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be my next business venture, Sam. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm you've got your, your another first customer here waiting. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> so you've done oh, so many interesting things, and you've um, tried different business models. 
if there was one piece of advice that you wish that someone had shared with you before you even started your, you know, your very first business, before you started your journey, what, what do you think it would have been? Surround yourself with good people. Just surround yourself with as many good people as you possibly can and pay attention to what they say and listen to them. Mm. By far, that is, that is the number one piece of advice that I would give to, that I keep giving to myself because it's easy to forget. It's easy to get inside your own head and think, God, I know everything. I don't need other people's advice. But it's also the advice that I would give to any aspiring entrepreneur, to any successful entrepreneur, really to anybody. Because no, you know, no man or woman can possibly, it's obvious, but it's true, no man or woman can possibly know everything. You have gaps in your knowledge. You have gaps in your expertise. You have gaps in your experience that other people can fill. So go and find those people and go out of your way to meet them. Many times you will meet them completely by accident, which means you always have to be prepared to, uh, you know, to stumble across a, a gem, I suppose. Just like, you know, how most people, most people's relationships, well, maybe not so much nowadays with, with online dating and dating apps and things, but in general, at least in the old days, people's relationships would, would, would be, would begin serendipi- serendipitously, you know, you just accidentally meet somebody and then you'd, hopefully you'd fall in love and get married, have kids, etc. But the, the instigation of the relationship is very often just an accident. And it's the same with meeting business par- partners or suppliers or, or you know, anybody that can help you out, really. You have to put yourself, of course, in a scenario where you're likely to meet somebody who can help you. Just like if you really want to find a wife, you should leave your front door and you know, go out of your front door and, and go out into the world and just hang out with people and maybe eventually you'll find her. But ultimately, if you put yourself in the right place often enough, you'll, you'll find the person that you need or the people that you need to start your business. So, so valuable. Uh, I totally agree. I think that it's the, the connection and the people power that will have us moving forward. You know, in this day and age when we've got wonderful social media platforms, you know, you're over there in New York and I'm here in Australia and we've got this amazing technology that that is connecting us, but it's about keeping those connections open, not just having, you know, I call it collecting connections on social media and not opening up those conversations. So I think, I think that's great advice. Yeah. Yeah. And which perfectly is exactly what your app has done. Connecting (laughs) people. So, so you've, you've gone full circle. Um, (laughs) So let us know how we can stay connected with you and where we can where we can find Campfire. Well, the very best way to connect with me and the rest of the Campfire team for that matter is by downloading the Campfire app. I'm on the app of course, obviously I ask and answer questions every day. And you can download the app either by going to the App Store and searching for Campfire. There are lots of campfires, though, so you need to look for the for the campfire with the orange microphone. We're at the top of the list at last, but uh, you know you might have to look for it. Or more simply, you can just pick up your iPhone and go to the web address get.campfire.fm. Get.campfire.fm, and when you do that, you'll you'll be prompted to download the the app and through through the app you can you can ask questions to me samantha i hope you'll be on there as well well i'm going to definitely come off and uh check it out i'd say i'd had a little look at instagram but i hadn't i hadn't downloaded the app but i certainly will be today i'm a um i'm a connector i love connecting with people all over the world and asking questions because i think that every single person on the face of the earth has got something to share 
Oh, absolutely. 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 Everybody is an expert to somebody else. That's the amazing thing. Like a lot of the, you know, Nick and I have spent a lot of time in Hollywood in the last couple of months trying, of course, to bring celebrities onto the platform to generate some buzz for the platform. And, you know, we've had some good success so far. But meeting a lot of the people, it always surprises me because you don't expect, you know, Beyonce to have icons of her own. You just think she is an icon, like she doesn't in turn look up to anybody else, but actually she does. And so do all of the people that you regard as experts also look to other people in turn for expertise. So somebody really is an expert in something to somebody else. Uh, And that's what we're trying to get people to realize. I suppose everybody has expertise inside of them. I love it. And I think that that's a wonderful parting gift, I guess, is to know that or to share that every single person is an expert in something. So don't shy away and hide away and think that you don't have something to share. Everyone has got value to share with the world. Yeah, exactly. Christos, thank you so much for sharing so much with us, so much value, sharing your stories. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you today and I do look forward to downloading the Campfire app. Great. Thanks so much, Sam. Uh, It's been wonderful chatting with you as well and I look forward to asking you some questions on Campfire. You've been asking me this this whole time. Now I'm going to turn the campfire on you. I can't wait. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Unlimited Influence Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about what we're doing or if you'd like to listen to previous episodes, head over to samanthariley.com.au.